0: things for your
1: mind, mind. Welcome back to the latest edition of Let's Chew the Gum, the podcast where we talk about everything from A to Z. I'm your host, Protocol, and we're here chewing the gum. Who says you can't chew the gum and talk? We say you can. It gives us clarity, a little bit of a rhythm, and why not a little bit of fresh breath. You can find our podcast on Spotify, YouTube, Speaker, Spreaker, Breaker. Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and other platforms. Feel free to reach out to us at Let's ChewTheGum at gmail.com or at Protocol at gmail.com. That's P-R-O-T-K-A-L-L at gmail.com. Today, we're so honored to have our guest in the studio. Our guest today is none other than Angela DeRamos, elementary school teacher from the Alisal Uh, Union School District in Salinas in Central California. She's also the state council rep at large for CTA Central Coast. She's the curator and administrator, producer of two online platforms that can be found on Facebook. One of them is this side of the chalkboard and the other one is Central Coast Equity. We're so honored to have you, Angela. Please say hello to our listeners. Hello there. Indeed, indeed. Thank Everyone's you.
0: Everyone's washing their hands and staying
1: safe. Yeah, indeed, absolutely. I, I've washed my hands so many times, and 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 it's something that I've always done. But I think now I'm just so much more conscientious of it. Someone uh, had a, a joke. They said they've washed their hands so much that they found or uncovered a stamp from a club from 25 years ago. I, I thought, wow, that's <laughs> that's something else. <laughs> so we're here today really in this environment of of distance education teaching and learning and because they're they're just there's just so many facets to to talk about and to think about and a lot of uh things are coming up as we go along this is new to quite a few people and and especially our students so i'm glad to have you in the studio today to just talk about some of the Issues and for the listeners when I say in the studio, it's actually she's calling into the studio and we're, we're patching her in. So we're practicing safe distancing as well. But yes Angela yes, we are I, I,
0: many 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 feet away. <laughs> right,
1: many many feet away. So I'm, I'm again I'm I'm glad to have you in here just to talk about some of these issues and and I'd like for our audience to be able to share, you know, in your expertise and for, and for you to share with the audience just just some of the issues whether it's equity or just how this thing is done and what does it look like and the diversity that we have not only here in California but throughout the country. So um, I'm just going to open this up and, and we're going to have an organic conversation and, and our listeners, I'm sure that they'll be engaged and appreciate what you have to offer. So so how are you seeing this and, and what are some, some things that we should be paying attention to when it comes to this distance education thing?
0: Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, <laughs> we've been, uh, you know, you talk about expertise, but the thing about this is it's unfolding as we go and we're, we're all, you know, I, I'm no, by no means an expert. I'm not an expert teacher. I'm not an expert anything. I just tread water like anyone else. But I, I get the vantage point, um, um, you know, at being in the classroom for over two decades. And then the work with, I do with um, our union, uh, as well as the online stuff, gives me a sort of vantage point. So I've sort of been watching this things unfold and, you know, just making observations on a, on a, Um, uh, a viewpoint where I'm kind of reading, um, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, online resources that popped up, some of them within California, some of them statewide, uh, statewide, some of them nationwide. So it's just really interesting to sort of see these, see um, what's bubbling up. And so some of the things that I've just been noticing uh, is the idea that someone someone should know what we're doing <laughs> first right. of all I just want to say nobody we're all treading water we're all making this up as we go with the resources we have and um so please like just give give yourself and everyone else a a bit of grace that you know um we're doing we're doing the best we can and everybody it's it's a good time to assume positive positive intent even when um you know this morning i was um fielding some questions about, um, MOUs. So MOUs are your memorandum of understanding. So, you know, when we are in a profession like education, we have, we have these agreements about what we think are are best for the system, but all of this is completely changed. So, um, you know, MOUs are sort of the agreements you make with your your local administration and people don't, you know, our regular, regular educators that are, aren't are political and don't see that side of it don't really realize like that stuff has to be made up as we go. And so as we're busy trying to figure out how we're going to do this online distance slash remote slash homeschooling um, learning, it, it's, um, it's being sort of negotiated by local leadership. And now is a really good time to voice what's going on, what your concerns are, what your struggles are. So I really appreciate people weighing in, even if it's just events, um, because it gives me a pretty good sense of um, where people's struggles are. And then at the same time, I'm going through it too. I'm still in the classroom. I I teach sixth grade this year. And, um, you know, the considerations between the grade levels, between the districts, between the... the, um, the, you know, the, 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 not just the grade level, it's the micro to the macro. All of it is important at this point. What I expect from my sixth graders is not what my colleague in, in third grade um, or kindergarten or TK or special ed, everybody's got sort of their own um, issues, which we know what they look like in the classroom, but we, they, I think they're exacerbated um, or we're forced to reexamine all those um Sort of pedagogical concerns and for some a big portion of our kids they end up being equity equity concerns so you mentioned that i i i do some equity work so a, a big uh concern is the, the language uh access and um you know they're, they're always the things that we're concerned about in school but you know simple, something as simple as i i teach e, i teach eld I teach in Salinas, uh, a great, great many of my students come from um, households that that English is not their first language. So uh, even if they're born here, often they they just have limited access to models of of, um, academic English. So it's really important for us to take our ELD series seriously. So to not be able to read things like body language, like I... You know, just as a classroom teacher, I'm realizing I, I, I can't get them to produce. If they're um, not English speakers, most of our online th- resources are coming in English, then I really have to think more about my delivery and whether I'm translating it, making it accessible, and it just adds a whole layer to it. And I'm thinking, here I am. Um, you know, a veteran teacher. The standards are not easy; are not a problem for me. Classroom management is not a problem for me, and I have. I'm lucky to have um, really good tech resources. Our district was very forward thinking in tech. So none of this sh- theory should be a struggle for me. I I am I am poised to be in a very good position to make that transition, and it's so hard. And really, the bottom line is that we don't you know just not seeing our kids forces a whole other kind of pedagogy like physically being in proximity and how much I rely on body language and those un, unspoken forms of communication to check for understanding and all those kinds of things that we talk about as teachers you know those are the things that we don't codify those are the things that no one could ever measure and in, in sort of a numerical metrics it's sort of our craft right
1: right absolutely. so we can't
0: rely on those things and that that has been um something that I've I'm experiencing it. And so when I'm looking at all these, you know, systems of how we're doing this, one of the problems that I, I, I think about standardizing or policy work, which is really about kind of standardizing it, is um, that it's not, it's not based on human interaction, but teaching is. So trying to you know say, oh, how many times do I need to, what does that look like now? So how many times do I need to check on online? How much time is enough screen time or meeting time? Do I have to record it? Those kinds of things all um, try to quantify something that, you know, before we sort of took for granted because they were in front of us and sort of captive audiences. So it's been definitely an interesting phenomenon to watch. And I think my big takeaways and the thing I, I, I most pe- want people to realize is, you know, we're – I guess it's kind of the union rah-rah speech, but it, it really is – I mean, you saw the power of educators come together and kind of figure this out, and we're still doing it. So now is a really good time to be communicating and with your colleagues and, and saying what is your – You know what's working, what's not working, what you know, resources, supports you need. You know, even if it's not your local, reach out to other people. Now we're all digital, so it's easy for us to be worldwide. I mean, a lot of the resources that have been the most valuable have been coming from other countries. Absolutely. Um, Some of the Asian countries. I I had educators early on contact me, you know, from Korea and from China, saying what they are we prepared because they had already gone to remote learning? Like like, uh, probably a month and a half before we did, I started getting those, those, uh, you know, messages. Uh, uh, So it's been a good, it's a good time to reach out and exercise, flex your professional muscle and uh, calibrate, you know, don't, and also get support. I mean, you're not, alone if you don't know what the hell you're doing none of us do <laughs> no that's that's a, that's a, that's a great like, point
1: great point because you know I, I too have, have been in in contact with colleagues across the nation you know east Coast the west coast and in between just really looking at and listening to their concerns and 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 then some of the things that that they're doing that that are working and not working and as you said we're we're all in this together so it really is a time for for people to first of all, like I said, for everyone to really, um, be forgiving of themselves if they, if they don't know and, and to not be, uh, adding additional pressure and stress on themselves for, for what they don't know, because many people are making it up as they go, but the networks that we have and the capabilities that we have to share resources and, and, and insights and really find out what, what works for you, you know, your, your point about, you know, how are we assessing students now? Right. Um, I'm, I'm the same way in, in my classroom. Uh, no matter which, which level I'm, I'm where I'm teaching, I'm looking at body language to assess, if students get it, I, I'm I'm assessing in so many ways constantly, like, as you said, the things that the average person doesn't know that occurs in, in the classroom or in a teaching profession. And in this online formats, you know, it makes it difficult to do that. Like you said, h- how much am I am I giving enough? Are, are they grasping it? You know, do I do I move on from here? You know, the, the is sort of a, a double blind situation in a sense. We don't we don't know if our students are the ones doing the work or, or are they, you know, how much are they retaining or how, how engaged they are, right? When we are in the classroom and we can see that they might be a little disengaged, we utilize mechanisms to get them back on task. And, and, and so we, we just, we, we don't know that. And, and not only that, we don't have a full view of who's able to have sufficient access. You know, are they having to share computers for, with, many siblings or relatives to, so that they can all access their material and, and are they getting enough, right? That that, as we talked about before uh, we started this uh, session, we were, we, we didn't record this part, but we were talking about just the diversity of needs and the diversity and communities of of students that, that are able to access or have different lifestyles and non-traditional settings. So everything is in flux right now, right?
0: or it's traditional. It's just not what um uh, it's tradition. It could be it could be someone else's tradition.
1: Oh yes, to indeed. have
0: multiple generations in a in a household, or where like where I live, um, it's very very high density. You often have multiple families living in a in a single apartment. And so even if they have, I'm in a really, really, I said I was in a very blessed situation in terms of handling this, you know, just a little bit of background. My, my district, or the LSL, just shout out to the LSL um, And Salinas has, you know, I feel like we've been preparing for this moment for like five years because um, we st- actually had started piloting one-to-one years ago. And it, of course, like most pilots, it's a big hot mess. And, you know, we have these carts and, things would go missing and we've just been working at it, working at it. And we've developed it to the point where we have a whole tech team who, this is all they do is think through, um, teaching using computers. And we had already started that journey, um, I'd say a couple years ago. And even then we have teach, so we have teachers, uh, our goal is to have everyone uh, was to have everyone a hundred, uh, percent Google certified, um, and I haven't done it. And I know how to use the tools. I have the resources. I have the, the coaches. So we're in a really good situation. Our kids all have one-to-one devices, or nearly all of them did. The TK did it, but we they were able to solve that because we also have a hardware um, team. So like I said, we're really, really at an apex of being able to meet this. And we're still having a hard time. Mm. We have all the tools. We have all the resources. We have the philosophy behind it about, you know, they're very very equity-minded. That's the reason why we're so tech-driven because tech isn't, it's a great, um, it's a tool if you're using it correctly. And I think my district has. They've really promoted the use of tech not as a replacement for teachers, but as an enhancement. So that's why we have entire, um, a whole PD series just around using tech as a tool. So I think the thought, everything behind it is there and we're still you know, not reaching all our kids. Um, so one issue is, you know, just getting, even if they have the devices, um, you know, is the teacher super comfortable? I'm not super comfortable. So am I able to give everything? No. And, and that's okay. They understand that they're, you know, we're being mindful of the limitations we have thing. A thing that I didn't anticipate is that everybody's getting bounced out because or that, or, um, because the internet is there's So there's such a drain on the, you know, there's only so much broadband Broad, um, and a, the, or the programs crashing. That was the other thing that we, we, you know, you couldn't anticipate <clears throat> things like that, but, but the kids getting kicked off, like I can see them. Um, so k- kind of getting the rhythm and the flow. And I, I kind of thought there's this the same sort of analogy. I mean, some of the kids, Who weren't, you know, when you have regular brick and mortar classrooms, um, like we did once upon a time Mm pre-COVID, you still have a work, a a flow that you, you, a rhythm. So that's part of it is sort of knowing the rhythm of when kids check in, seeing (laughs) them get kicked off, understanding they don't have the resources, Um, you know, they might be sharing um, space and not have quiet. So you know, demanding that they speak, you know, putting them on speaker phones means you're going to hear like 10 other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are things that just, you know, if you're not mindful of them, you should be mindful now. At least now, right? And if you don't live in a community, because we are very segregated, uh, you know, part of the chatter that I'm saying online is why do, why do teachers keep harping on equity? Um, But that is the reality of our, our, you know, a lot of our students is that they don't, live like, like you said, in quote, traditional, what you see on TV, you know, every kid has their own bedroom and everyone has their own devices. It's not like that for everybody. So, um,
1: no, that that, equity, What that that equity portion is is so critical. And for, for folks that, that don't understand that, um, when we talk about public education and, and access, if we, we have to have equity and we have to be sensitive to, to that because every child needs to have access. And, you know, I, I know even in my home, a lot of the bandwidth that's utilized in my home during the day when I'm normally teaching is going toward home businesses, right? Um, in other, other situations, you have multiple people online at the same time, and so some folks have an, an under, uh, uh, should I say, less bandwidth to where, like, as you said, they're getting, getting kicked off or the delivery is slow. And when you're talking about um, students uh, or ELD or ELL students, right, if the l- delivery is slow and, and the language is already an issue and, and now you have issues with being cut off or it's choppy, you know, that can be frustrating for kids. It, it, it can uh, cause kids to check out it, it. And there's just so many dynamics to that that people don't understand. So equity then the consideration for that is a must and and perhaps teachers harp on it because, and I don't like to use the word harp. I think a better term is to emphasize the need for it is because it's a, it's a real thing. And, and you may not be experiencing, not you uh, personally, but any one of our listeners, you may not be experiencing those issues, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be sensitive to those that are, um, I, I was mentioning to someone exactly. I was homeless the last uh, year and a half of high school and so you're telling me now to you know uh, access from home well, where where's that you know oftentimes my home was on the back of a bus riding right? you know, or sometimes my home is right. I'm, I'm in a park most of the day because I, I had no place to go so I'm, I'm just you know how do I access and and um, does am i? You know because of, of a situation of poverty am i not as worthy to access or does that mean i don't count as much and and i think that's the the reason that we advocate for our students whether it's in unions or whether it's um attending lcap meetings to to where we're, we're emphasizing our needs that's that's the reason because oftentimes our students and some of our teachers may not have a voice to express their needs and so it, it's um um, really on us as as educators and leaders to make sure that we're we are that voice for the students so I, I appreciate you bringing that up
0: yeah and, it, and I think that you know that the narrative always is like well th- this is what I've been hearing and it, and it goes along I mean it racism is racism right um it, it it's Oh, we can't move on because of those kids. That's sort of the short version of the, the, well, why, why, you know, the no new learning or whether this is enrichment only that's been a big part of the discussion right now. And, um, and I don't, I don't think it's like, why do we have to hold up everyone because some kids don't have access? It's more, I think the more, the question is what are we holding people accountable to, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you have a population or, like, I don't have, I differentiate my class. I have some kids who are checking in and who some kids who are not checking in. Will I hold everything up because of the, for the kids who are not checking in? No, but I'm absolutely mindful of who is and who isn't. And those kids who aren't checking in, I'm going to modify and do what I need to do. Whether that means I need to call more, reach out, note that maybe I have one student who's getting kicked out now. Of their home, so on top of all of this, they are about to be homeless. So you know, my work with them is sort of connecting them with the family resource people, or you know, trying at the very least being empathetic and not expecting. So it's about the expectation of um, what we're doing, and that that goes to that deeper thing. And here's where the opportunity is. It you know we're always looking at this as a deficit mode, but I think this is a golden opportunity for us to say. What do do kids need to learn? Mm. And how can we best teach them? Because now we're having to redo everything. But even when we're in a brick and mortar, those questions still exist. You know, what are we teaching? For what purpose? How are we giving that delivery? So, um, you know, differentiation and, and understanding what kids bring and what their situations are. Uh, you know, it's that human thing. It's understanding that teaching and learning is human, and knowing all the parts of them as humans, including where they live and and what their support systems are like, and all of that. Ma- all of that matters. Absolutely. So, like, you know,
1: it, it, it yeah, it matters. Um, you know, in in our, it's the same thing we doing. In the class, as you said, in a brick and mortar class from daily where we're differentiating and we're making accommodations for our students based upon their particular situations at home or their learning styles or their particular needs. And, And this is just an extension of that. And I'm not sure that the general audience necessarily again knows what goes on in the classroom in terms of making those accommodations and differentiating instruction for students uh, because they all aren't the same and so we have to provide tools and we implement various mechanisms and, and we again differentiate based upon that. And, and that's where equity comes in. We try to um, help students to be able to access the best way they can and, and, the, and the best ways that we know how for them to have a, su- a successful experience. And, and it's no different now. It, it I mean, it's different, but it, it's just a, a, a different uh, uh, way of going about it. I want to, I want to touch upon something that you brought up earlier. You were saying that your district, um, um, you guys had been really planning for this, not planning for this to happen, but planning for uh, situations for with one on one and planning for uh, this type of model where students have access and and with technology for some time, yet you're still having some difficulties. Right. Um, And I I just couldn't help but think about the districts and the, the students that not necessarily haven't planned for this but may not have had the mechanisms or the resources um, depending on their community or their particular budgets to be able to prepare for this so if districts like yours have been planning and it's difficult imagine how much more it is difficult for educators and students who have not had that benefit to to plan and prepare for this
0: right and just knowing how much energy and thought and planning and policy and money has um, gone into developing us to where we are. Um, you know, I keep thinking, I see these districts that are getting you know mass donations of computers, they're mass purchasing of computers. Well, there's still the servicing of computers when they break. <laughs> right. I mean, just something as simple as that, like we don't we think, okay, you know, and I know it's one step at a time, but there's so much consideration. And then there's the yeah, and then there's the learning piece of it. Just because my kids have had computers one on one for years, but have I made um, good on all the the equipment and the tools at my disposal? No, I you know really made um, only recently an effort to um, to explore Google Classroom. You know, I, every year I like to set a, a learning goal for myself. So that actually was one of my learning goals this, this year was to actually use Google Classroom as a tool. So I had already been playing around with it, started using it. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I, I was stepping away from using it just because I was, you know, report cards were coming up. And I just, it was so much easier to resort back to sort of mm-hmm. the traditional ways of pen and, pen and paper kind of ways of doing things. So I, you know, I'm observing myself as a learner and the ebb and flow and the, the, the two steps forward, one step back kind of thing with all the the supports and, um, that I have at my fingertips. And, yeah, I, I really empathize with those teachers who are being asked to teach in this completely new way um, because it's, it's not equitable for anybody in that situation. You know, we're not on a level playing field by any means.
1: No, oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Okay. You know, I've, I've worked with, with no. Google Classroom and some of the technologies and and I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm, I'm not having difficulties with this format because I, I've done it for some years, uh, whether students were on independent study or I've just always had it set up for students who, for whatever reason, if they miss class, here's the format and, and here's what we've done each day. Um, but I'm very sensitive to the fact that there are others who have not. And and I don't think it is a, a bad thing. I think, again, as you said, it presents an opportunity for us to reexamine again, not only what we teach and why, but the ways that teaching is possible. So, you know, once this is this is all over and, and folks go back to the LCAP for, for those outside of California, the LCAP is our funding formula or not the funding formula it's the local control accountability plan that that um where stakeholders can have a say right the mechanism for in in the ways in which we fund our our local schools through the the funding we we receive from the state and so how are
0: we gonna spend the money
1: there you go That's that's the bottom line. How are we (laughs) going to spend the money? And so if your voice again is is not being heard, there's a chance that the needs that you have won't be implemented because regardless, there's only so much to go around. And if it's not seen as a necessity or a need, then then funds may not flow into the programs or services within your district. So it is very uh, important that that parents, teachers and other stakeholders attend those meetings, take them seriously, or at least have a representative of a from a group that you're a part of to go and attend on your behalf to make sure that your voice is heard. Because as we see, um, this is important and there's not every district where there's going to be people who have the funding to donate massive amount of computers, whether, you know, the, the idea of that they need to be repaired, later on or not but um it it, it just doesn't happen and so again we're, we're in this all together and we have to find creative ways to support um each other um just really quick you're listening to let's chew the gum the podcast where we talk about everything from a to z while we chew the gum you can find us on most podcast platforms we're on facebook instagram you can find us on spotify um Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes—we're we're, we're all over the place, and and for the reason that the information that our guests uh, bring to our audience, we feel and and I feel specifically that it's really important, and so we just want to get the message out there. Um, always feel free to call into the show or or email us if you have topics you want to discuss, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show. Again, you can reach us at Let's Chew the Gum at gmail.com or at protocol at gmail.com that's p-r-o-t-k-a-l-l at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to have you also if you like to support the show you can log into our anchor website at uh that would be anchor.fm slash protocol and there's a button where you can support the show if you like what you're hearing so we welcome that um Again, my guest today is Angela De Ramos, elementary school teacher in the Alisal Union School District, and she's also an advocate for teachers and students throughout the state. And you can check her out on Facebook through some of her social media platforms, such as This Side of the Chalkboard and Central Coast Equity, uh, CTA Central Coast Equity. I hope I said that correctly. Again, um, we'll continue with the conversation. So so. Where do we go from here, Angela? Where do we where do we go from here? Um, There's opportunities. um, How can we as educators, as educational leaders and parents, how can we come together post COVID-19 to uh, refashion this thing that we call education and the delivery of education? Before you answer, let me take a quick break for our sponsors, and then I'll have you answer that right when we come back. You're listening to Let's Chew the Gum, the podcast where we talk about everything from A to Z. We'll be right back. Something for your mind, mind, mind. Thank you to our sponsors. OK, we're back with our guest, Angela De Ramos. Before we went to break, I was asking, how does this post-COVID-19 or how do you see the post-COVID-19 educational system panning out? And so uh, for our listeners, go ahead and please uh, respond to that question.
0: Well, I'm going to give a, sh- a short-term thing and a, and a long-term thing. I think the short-term thing um, is it, <laughs> this is sort of meta, but I, I would really like educators to sort of note their learning curve. It makes us so much more empathetic as teachers to to to, to be um, that that projective struggle of not not knowing what we're doing, and our students go through that all the time. So you know, it gives it gives us a little grace with them. It gives it, it, it gives us a little bit of grace for ourselves that we're we're sort of learning it. And it, it occurs to me that uh, using online technology is um, very constructivist learning that you sort of just have to do it. It's really hard to just learn it from a book or learn it from watching it. You just kind of have to play around with it. So uh, that's my sort of short takeaway. My longer term takeaway is I think really define that, that question hold that, what are you choosing to teach? And how are we going to do that? What is the best case scenario? Um, Why are we choosing, choosing that? I think actually that works in the short term right now too, as we as we're organizing as a profession. um, You know, we're all kind of on literal survival mode right now, so it's a little strange to be talking about standards and and you know graduations and requirements and grading, and it's sort of like, can we just sort of survive this for? And when we're done, um, one thing that I've sort of started playing around with this this idea of articulation. So, you know, we as a a system in this country, and I think most countries have standards based where, you know, we're expecting every kid to be at a certain place or know a certain thing or have a certain skill at a certain time. And I think um, that's always been a lofty goal, but not necessarily reality. Uh, it's like asking. Sometimes I think of it as asking every kid to be a certain height at a certain age. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have general recommendations based on trends, but, um, you know, there's a lot of factors there and a lot of variables. So, um, and variance. So, you know, kind of talking, I, I, I've I been talking to teachers uh, in other grade levels and above me, um, kind of Asking, okay, as a system, knowing my kids are going to be missing some things, which they always do. Uh, how do we make this more of a continuum of what's important? So the idea of defining what's important for us and the world that we know, and the grade level or the standards that that we know ourselves, and then where does that fit in in a in a lifetime of learning? Um, those kinds of you know let's reinvent the standards, shall we? But I mean, that's kind of what I feel like would be the, could be an outcome of this is that we start to sort of define, you know, I think one of the things about our profession is we rely on other people to tell us what to do. And sometimes I think we're not really a profession because we, we don't sort of take charge of our tools or testing or, you know, the way that lawyers or, or doctors do. So, if we were to do that, we should be defining all the things that govern us um but in this particular moment, you know we literally have to pick and choose what it is that we're going to deliver because we can't we can't do everything. so we're having to sort of um, think through what we have access to in terms of the delivery mechanism, what the kids can show us and um but but the deeper thing is what what are the what are the standards and what's important for them to be successful the next year and for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what that looks like for me is I'm looking at things really um, sort of basic life skills and sort of fitting them into what, what they look like in, in terms of my standards and, um, and really trying to deliver that right now. Cause you know, count, counting back money and manipulating decimals, calculating tips and fractions, which happens to be my uh, grade level, but things like that where they would need life skills. And then what does that translate to for the, you know, uh, for seventh grade, for eighth grade, for ninth grade um, or lower. So those are some bigger things. And I think, it, the, you know, the, the earlier we had these conversations of, of um, what, what we're doing, what we should be doing and let go of when they should be happening. Mm. I think, um, we inch closer towards, uh, equity in general all the time.
1: Absolutely. I I think that's, that's a great point. I I know in my class, you know, I'm always mindful of the standards and, you know, but I've always been big on, uh, you know, I, I teach history at the, at the high school level and, um, at the university level, I teach in a teacher preparation program. And I'm always speaking to students at all those levels about, you know, in my history class, if you leave here and the only thing you've learned is history, you've missed the point because there's so many life lessons that, that we, um, and skill sets that we emphasize, you know, teaching students and helping them to understand how to learn, for themselves if the teacher isn't around how to how to take the initiative to find out what you know i I frequently tell my my students i'm not so much concerned with the answers you give as i am with the questions you ask because i'm a a firm believer Mm -hmm. that if you can ask good questions you'll you'll get the answers because the the mind is is naturally inquisitive and wants to get answers to questions that you have. I can ask you a bunch of questions. It may not interest you or motivate you or engage you to, to learn them. You know, I can make it great dependent and then you'll do it. But that that's more on a behavioralist type of side. I'm more interested in what questions can you develop for yourself? Because then you'll be motivated to, to find those answers. And then we can talk about and start to implement ways in, in which you go about finding those answers so now we're talking about skill sets whether it's research so i'm going to help you in some ways to to be able to disseminate i'm sorry not to disseminate but to uh really uh be critical of the resources that you use when you find an answers how do i know that this is a valid answer how can i cross compare and i just think that if you if i help you to understand if you don't know what you know then possibly you'll know how to find that out if the, if that makes sense. So so those types of ways. No,
0: actually, this what you said really um, resonates with what's happening now because I think that's actually a really good. I think you you um, that question of the right answer versus how you got the answer or how you're conceptualizing it and the questions you ask that's really a, a good way to approach technology right now too. If we, you know, if you have listeners who are sort of struggling with the use of technology and how much screen time and what does pedagogy online look like and you know, what I'm observing is that there's sort of two camps. One is basically glorified worksheets where it's, and those are the, the teacher proof programs, right? It's like it gets the right answer and it automatically, there's some algorithm that pushes them through the, to the next level. And those are those, you know, Plug and play kind of ready made, and you see a lot of those on the market. Um, and there's a place for those, but that doesn't replace the teaching and the teaching um, at, right now, uh, the tool would be for the teacher is using online resources to curate uh, for the students to curate sort of a digital portfolio of their learning. So like what you were saying, you know, consp- what's the res- what are the resources you're using? Um, how are you analyzing it? The questions, like all those things, the best uses of tech that I've seen that my district pushes us towards is using it as a tool of discovery mm-hmm. and documenting it. So, um, you know, like Google classroom really um, is just an organizational device really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's perfect. If you're approaching it in the way you just said, now the trick for the teacher is, you you know, <laughs> Our teacher tools in our classrooms are folders, our notebooks, you know, um, citations, things like that. Well, that looks a little different online. There's a little bit of a different workflow, but those things are still there. So I think, you know, good, good teaching and, and is never about the right answer. It's about the, the process of learning and, and being able to be metacognitive about that and, and, um, and you know, documenting it. Because then you keep going.
1: Yeah, I'm very much in, into the process as opposed the product is important, but the process, I, I think there's so much along the way that you learn that doesn't always show up in the product but it's transferable to other areas of life. And so in that process, the way you go about it and, and the, the things you discover about yourself and, and the growth of your mind and your brain that, that it entails. And as you said, when you document it, right, sometimes I've seen students, it's just a, a beautiful thing to see the light come on to where they become more independent learners because through the process and the, the, the ways that we discuss about how to learn and how to access information and how to utilize it and You know, maybe there was an essential question or just a general question at the beginning and they were just lost. But then all of a sudden it just hits and the light comes on and they're like, oh, I see. This is not just about history. This was about the ways of learning, brain development, skill sets. And and I often hear, you know, I was able to use what we using your history class. And now it it helped me to be better in math because it's a process. And I understand that when I'm I'm lost, I don't I'm not feeling stressed out and all these uh, effective filters are going up. And I I realize there's a process I can go through. So now I can sit back and breathe and, and, and have faith that if I go through the process, I'll get to the the product or the, or the the end result that I want, and if I don't, I know how to go and, and even ask or find resources to help me with what I don't know, and and I think in, in this time that we're in with this distance education, those students and, and teachers that can uh, implement those skill sets or that have those skill sets may find it a bit less threatening. They may find it find some ease and comfort in the fact of knowing that you know what. It's OK that I don't know now, but because I know I don't know, I can do something about it. And I, and I think that makes a, a, a big difference.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been using a hashtag in our own district. Hashtag yet.
1: How about that?
0: You don't know it yet.
1: Yeah, I but like it's that.
0: OK. <laughs> that's that's right. Cool we'll figure it out
1: <laughs> that's right that's right it's, it's okay to have a problem I, I tell my students it's okay to have problems and, and i you know i i open up and talk to them about learning disabilities that that i think i had i was never diagnosed but i've traditionally been a very slow reader you know from kindergarten on and i i used to think i was just not as smart as the other kids and that i couldn't do what they did and through some self-discovery i realized you know what well there are some things that i may have to do differently than other kids do in terms of processing, retention, comprehension, et cetera. But that's my process and it's OK. And I don't I don't have to do it the way other students have done it. I don't have to be on the on the same time frame. But if I go through my own process, I can experience success and students are oh you were you were uh had learning disabilities and i admit it you know i say even through you know five college degrees i say you know what even through that i i struggled but i did something about it so it's okay and so i want students and even the audience to know that it's okay to have a problem it's not okay to not do something about it that's what i say and and i try to i try to you know be that revealing with my students because i want them to Feel comfortable that if I can say this about myself and I'm supposed to be the, you know, the teacher and all these degrees, et cetera, et cetera. But if I can reveal that to you. I hope that it eases your tension with what you're going to and going through. And I found that over the years that it has worked and students have come up and said, you know, thank you for saying that. I feel so much better about and then they start to reveal issues that they have. And before you know it, they've talked about it. They've become OK with it. And now they're doing things about it. And I know that that's um. A little bit different than our, our general discussion but I, th- I think it definitely applies in this situation because you have a, a lot of people in situations now where it's not the same. And they're going to have to find and have some ways to deal with the unknown. And they're going to have to hopefully find some a little bit of comfort in that and knowing that it's OK and that, you know, they have some resources and some abilities to do something about it. And and obviously that's not everybody, but for who it applies, let's let that sink in and, and help you find some comfort in that.
0: yeah you're here.
1: Yeah, here, here. No, that, that's 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 it's been been great having this conversation with you. And, and there's so much more that 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 uh, we could discuss and, and talk about it. But I, I do just, again, want to reemphasize some of your points that um, issues of equity are at, at the forefront. And we need to address that within our, our districts and within ourselves. Um, we need to. Be a lot of forgiving of ourselves when we when we don't know when we're struggling Um, because teachers are people, too. And um, and they react the the same ways as anyone else. And so we need to be forgiving. Uh, I don't know it. Like you said, your hashtag yet. Right. I don't know what this looks like yet, but I'm committed to myself and to my students to find out how and to do the best we can. And you know what? I think when this is all over. You know what this looks like on the other end i think that once this is over and we have those meetings wherever they may occur and we, we are reviewing the standards etc i think it's gonna just organically happen that a lot of the old ways are going to be thrown out and folks are going to really see you know what it is or what's important to teach what are some new ways that we need to, uh, to teach and, and some things we need to focus on i think that's just going to happen and and folks um, as one of my guests in a, another episode said, are going to be a lot better off on the other side because of this. So there, there are some positives that we can take from this. And, and being that we're in this together, you know, we'll get through this together and, and be better on the other side. But it's going to take us to continue to share and, and have input and, and utilize our voices and our platforms such as you do with with um, with your shows and with the areas in which you advocate. So I thank you for that as well.
0: Well, thanks for having me and having this conversation. It's been a interesting to, to, to chew on this, like you said, um, you know, and, and we're, we're so alone. <laughs> so talking about it helps me, it's getting me to frame this in, in ways that I think I can, you know, I'm, I'm going to, we have work to do.
1: Yes, we do. We yeah. got work to do. No, that that's a great point. Talking, you know, talking about it is is essential because we, you know, we right now find ourselves somewhat isolated because of the social distancing and 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 something that's new. And so again, we have to forgive ourselves and and keep talking. So I, I'm inviting anyone and everyone to talk about it. And and um, you know, I'm always here. And you again, you can reach out to uh, my guest Angela DeRamos on on uh, Facebook and. Um, through her platforms, this side of the chalkboard. I I know there's specific content that goes there, but um, how about, um, are there other ways that our listeners can reach out to you, Um, email accounts, et cetera, where you could be reached if if they have further questions or comments for you?
0: Yeah, they could reach me at Angela Der. that's A-N-G-E-L-A-D-E-R 41 at gmail.com. And then I'm on Facebook under Angela DeRamos so you
1: can always reach me up in their messenger okay well Mm -hmm. thank you so much this has definitely been an enlightening conversation you have been listening to let's chew the gum the podcast where we talk about everything from A to Z our guest today was Angela DeRamos elementary school teacher in the central coast of California student and teacher advocate it's been great so we thank you and remember we always have something for you